Buckle up for deep, hilarious, and logical discourse about LGBTQ, religious, political, and other heart-gripping subjects that will blow your mind. Your search for countercultural discussion on controversial issues is over. Welcome to Chappie's Musing. Hey, this is Tim Brown. Welcome to Chappie's Musings. My husband is with me today. He just rolled his eyes in a really big way. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm forcing him to be here today. He is here against his will. He doesn't like to do these. Hey, guys. There you go. That's Sergio. And uh, so anyway, this is Chappie's Musings. We're going to talk about uh, a pretty hot topic, I think. And that's not the place where women go in the mall to get slutty clothes. Can I say that? <laughs> that's a good story. Is that? Okay. Oh, and if you could go there for that, you're not a bad girl. But anyway. I'm bad. So... <laughs> You can laugh, Karen. Karen, so we got today with us uh, a couple people, a guy who I know from the military. His name is James Haynes. I call him Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Just like the draws, James Haynes. (laughs) And his wife, Karen, or Kay Heron, is here. She spells it with an H. Karen. Karen. (laughs) So anyway, we uh, thanks for being here. Yep. Thanks for having us. Drove all the way, all 30 minutes. Oh, she said thank you. That was Karen. A pleasure. Through the gate security (laughs) that patted us down. Yeah, they the people at our gate, they, they we just switched people, security people, and they literally, it's like Fort Bragg. And I got into this. I made the mistake of getting on our uh, Facebook page. The the po- the community has a Facebook page. I made the mistake of saying why they start checking license. Why do we have to do that? And oh my gosh, it, don't even get me started on that. Was ridiculous. But anyway, so. Um, a lot's been happening with us since we we did one uh, podcast not too long ago with Steve, the pastor of Spout Springs, and then now this is our next one since we've been dealing with all the immigration stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, about immigration and about uh, what Sergio went through. And so anyway, so he just rolled his eye. No, he just looked really mean eyes at me that time. I'm going to call it out when you do that. He's playing. Please forgive him. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm going to call it out. So Sergio's checking his uh, very busy social media over there while we talk. So Checking immigration laws. Checking immigration check laws. Check I should probably do that too. I need to brush up on what's going on. I got it all figured out. CNN tells yeah. me everything I need to know. I'd like to put a, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd like to give a shout out to Patrick Hatch, our attorney. Um, Patrick, if you want to sponsor the show, I'm kidding. You've done enough. But uh, anyway, Patrick is our, our attorney and he's a great guy. So if you're looking for an immigration attorney, I would. I would call Patrick. That is a commercial, but we'll do it for free because he's helped us out too. So tit for tat, right? Can I say that on the air? There's nothing wrong with that, is there? I had that first word kind of had me nervous. <laughs> so if you have children, uh, I'm not sure I'd let them listen because sometimes uh, I'm not always appropriate. I try. I think the kids are long gone at this point, Tim. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. As Sergio would say, nobody cares. <laughs> anyway, so Sergio went on a journey, an adventure uh about what six weeks ago now yeah six weeks ago okay and uh basically the story that and and i'll tell a little bit of the story just to give the chunks and then we'll kind of dig in from there is that okay yeah okay thanks sergio so basically (laughs) we had gone through all the legal immigration process work to do a marriage exception appointment and so march of excuse me yeah march of 2017 we went to see patrick we started working all that filed for the marriage exception and when we did, uh, basically, we had to wait 13 months. And 13 months later, 
they said, okay, you have your appointment. So we go to our appointment on April the 18th. Well, we actually, let me back up. Patrick calls us and he says, hey, your appointment's April the 18th. They sent us the letter. And Patrick calls us and said, hey, you guys come see me. We go see him. And, Sir, and uh, Sergio and I go over there. And he says, uh, Sergio can't go to this appointment. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of the point. That's not going to work. That's the whole idea, right? He needs to be there. And so we, we decided basically that just Sergio, or excuse me, just Patrick and I would go to the appointment and we left Sergio in the car. And uh, so what happened was he got word through other attorneys that uh, due to administration policy changes that ICE had been showing up at your regular immigration appointments, which was not normal. And so we... We go over there on April the 18th, and we go in. Sergio stays outside, and we get in there, and finally we get in the waiting room, and the guy comes out who's supposed to do our appointment, and he says, hey, are you, uh, you know, I'm, waiting, I'm looking for Sergio's files. They're not here. Did you know this, Sergio, this part? Yeah. Yeah. So, I was there. Well, but you weren't <laughs> there at this point, though. So uh, so anyway, we come in, and the guy comes out there, and he says, uh, they're looking, you know, we can't find his file. He goes back in, and my our attorney looks at me and says, ICE has his file. They're looking through it. So Sergio, when he was eight, seven or eight. Yeah, when I was eight. Yeah. So <laughs> he's so verbal. Um, we basically uh, he he was det- he was detained at the border with his uncle, separated from his uncle, and uh, we can get into the separation issues later. But he then um, Sergio, what they took you to in a little place to yourself? What was it? It was basically it was basically like a cell. Okay. Like a detention cell, mm-hmm. a holding a holding cell. Okay, so they held you separate well, yeah, with other kids to do the process because, like, they basically prevent they prevent you talking f- to your family members at that at that moment because yeah. they you know they think that your family members or whoever you you came with they're gonna like, tell you you know to basically lie and all of this. So basically, all the kids on one side and the uh, adults on another side to prevent them from having any like interaction for like eight hours or so, so or you, more. Yeah, how long do you think you were there? Twelve hours. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did they feed you? Well, yeah, three three slices of bread and two slices of cheese. I remember. When you were a kid? Yeah. Oh. That's what they uh, cause they don't. It's not like a. It's basically uh, like an office. Yeah. It's like a process a processing center. Yeah. And they have like the holding cells right there in front of the the office, basically where it's just basically like where we went yeah. to our interviews to okay. do our interview and okay. where I got detained. It okay. was basically that, like a holding cell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. And James, if you have, or Jimmy, or whatever you want to go by. Uh, probably Jimmy James. James Mostly James, yeah. I think you kind of created the Jimmy thing. I it's, did. It's taken off in a way that <laughs> you it, uh, kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask, if you have a question, just jump in. So Very informal. This was in Texas, right? Yeah. You're coming in, in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, Arlington. Yeah. Arlington. So you were in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. And they gave you bread and cheese. You're yeah. in the barbecue capital of the world, and they're gonna screw you over like that. That's a crime. So, from a from a Texan, I just want to say I'm sorry. Oh, you from you Texas? Were treated with with that lack yeah. of Texan hospitality. And jumping forward, we'll go back. But didn't they do something similar when they fed you this yeah. last time? Yeah. Like when, when you got picked up. When this? I well, yeah, when we got tra- when I basically when we all got transferred from um, from Charlotte to Atlanta, they gave us actually this time they gave us four slices of bread. And two slices of cheese, and that's it. And a water that we had to share with everybody because they right. had they didn't have enough water bottles. That was recent. That okay. was this. That was this last time. Yeah, this was. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked. If you hear anything, that that's uh, Sergio's gaudy watch slamming against the <laughs> microphone over there. 
That's a nice watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, so basically, so that was recent. Now, going back to when he was a kid <laughs> in Harlingen, that was yeah. three slices of cheese and a piece of bread. That's, or excuse me, three slices of bread and a piece of cheese. That's where I was confused because I knew there was something similar recently. Yeah. Evidently, bread and cheese are a hot commodity with uh, with ICE agents. So so he was there, and his uncle, they then reunited them together. But So they gave Sergio a court date when he was seven, eight, you know. Yeah. Uh, I say seven, I think. You say, I don't know, what was it? I think it was seven, and I was, and it was basically like in, I think it was like two months after, you know, when I was going to turn date? eight. Yeah, yeah, when I was going to turn eight. Okay. So it was two two months gotcha. before I was going to turn eight. So basically they gave him a court date. He, this was September, and then 2001, and so then 2002, March 1st was your court date. So, but you obviously don't have any details because you're a kid, you know. And so he obviously missed the court date. That's so that was the whole basis of his deportation processing recently. So, for those of you who don't know, Sergio was picked up recently at a regular appointment that we went to. So we'll go back to that. So age seven, picked up, detained, age, uh, and then also at seven, given a court date which he missed. Uh, he moved to North Carolina. They had a fake or a, a non-existent address, so he couldn't even get correspondence for him. So they were trying to send him information, but he didn't know it. Did you find out, Sergio, about you know moving you know, to more present day? When you went to, through DACA, did you find out that you had a deportation order then or before then? Uh, actually, be, actually, right there. Like when, when, I, when you I was, registered yeah, for DACA. Yeah, when, when I registered for DACA, because they were like, we need to have any like any any tax ID or any any kind of form mm-hmm. for of whatever you have in order for you to um in order for you to actually go go into the DACA system. Yeah. So not not everybody can just go in and be like, oh yeah, right. you know, they have to actually you have to have like a number, a specific like immigration case number, which is like an A an alien number, and from there you can actually apply or you can actually be involved in the whole DACA system and the whole process and stuff. Yeah. And, well, what my lawyer, well, my father, the priest, he was the one who called, who called and I say, hey, you know, we need some information about this case and blah, blah, blah. And we need basically the alien number so he can be registered and okay. be processing to the DACA. And it came up then. And he came up, yeah, came up. What's your priest? What was the priest's name? I can't remember his name. You can't say his name. Why can't I? Well, you can. I can't either. Why? You don't want to say his name? Everybody knows who he is. No. Anyway, his priest <laughs> in Sanford. He's very nice. He is a very nice guy. And he's probably listening to us. Shout uh, out to yeah. the church. Hey there, nameless <laughs> the priest. The church in general. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to the church as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> when the Catholics say that, they mean something specific. <laughs> so, yeah, so his priest was helping him through that process and has helped a lot of people through that process. Basically, that's he found out, Sergio found out that he was uh, had a deportation order when he went through the DACA process. So, and if you don't know this, if you have a deportation order, that always stands. So that's, it doesn't matter how old you were when you came across. If you get that order, you will always have that order until that case is reopened and it's terminated. Does that make sense? So going under the DACA program, what did that do? That just kind of pushed it down the road in a sense? Mm, no. Because at this point, you're under the DACA program, but the deportation order is still on file until the case is closed. So basically with uh, the whole DACA, the whole DACA is basically like, it's basically a probation 
type of thing that immigration or you know immig- or ICE agents won't touch you yeah. no matter what happens because you got basically a operation to to be here to go to school and to you know but DACA is not like a pathway so basically yeah. you can't fix papers or you can't fix your case with having you know being under DACA DACA yeah. is basically just like a you know we're just gonna let you know we're just basically updating our system that you hear yeah. so when they you know basically when any like the administration terms of administration just you know when they say oh you know what let's get rid of DACA and they have tried they have tried so much so long after they do that, you know, it's just like back to where you started. Yeah. Back to yeah, back to square one. Yeah. Everybody like a whole. Yeah, which the Supreme Court or was it Supreme Court? Yeah, Supreme Court said that the executive order didn't stand for DACA. And if you're listening to this, DACA stands for the Deferred Act for Childhood Arrivals, meaning you were brought here by a parent against your will because you obviously can't choose. And so uh, Trump initially this year was it this year? Or, yeah. Yeah, did a order an executive order that said we're going to do away with DACA. And, and of course, gave Congress time to try to fix it, but they're not going to fix anything. Congress can't, Congress can't fix anything. They can't even brush their teeth in six months. So, so that's kind of the issue is, like, right off the bat, DACA was never a, a good fix for people that are in your situation. They just kind of kicked the it was can temporary. down the road. Yeah. yeah. Kicked the can down the road and said, hey, deportation order stands. All this stuff still stands. Mm-hmm. But as long as DACA as a program is around, you won't be physically deported. Right. So I guess that's kind of... The difference that a lot of people don't understand, especially conservatives, mm-hmm. uh, especially older conservatives, it's there's this huge cry of like deport illegal immigrants, deport. But when you're looking at somebody like you, an eight year old brought into the country, most of your memories are made in America. Most of what you know is American life. Right. You're 24 now, and and you're trying to deport somebody like that. That's ridiculous because yeah. this is somebody who's now totally acclimated I'm to American, American life. They're an American. They consider themselves an American. Right. And uh, so the DACA program wasn't a good fix for for that situation. Uh, so now the question is, what is going to be the fix down the road? Right. So, so for you, what are you kind of looking for in terms of what would you like to see a year, two years from now in terms of, of policy that would make you feel justified. You know what, Jimmy, that was a good question. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good question. Um, Basically, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of um, immigrants in, you know, in illegals, they support what um, Barack Obama did. They, we see him as like, you know, some of them see them as God basically, you know, because he actually helped us a lot, but it was just like, he did like, kind of like a messy thing, you know. Instead of him, he had the executive order to actually fix something, you know, that's been bothering like the whole United States, the whole coming into coming here illegally and all all of this, you know. And he says that he cares about the illegals, you know. This is this is Barack Obama. So something interesting about what he did was just like he just he just did it to get reelected. So he's like, okay, let me throw in the whole DACA thing which is going to be a, temp- a temporary thing. But if he really wanted to fix it, he would have said, you know what, let's do the DACA, let's, let's fix the DACA the right way. Let's do this. Let's put like a, you know, if you are, if you haven't had any crimes and you've been here, you can actually, that can actually be like a pathway to citizenship or a pathway to actually, 
you know, have a permit or be a residence. And, you know, so you basically, when when DACA doesn't, you know, when you're out of DACA, you can just be like, hey, you know, I'm a resident. I got a green car. But he didn't say, he didn't do that. Yeah. He didn't, he just, I felt like he done that just for us to just, you know, just for him to get reelected. Because basically back then the Hispanic vote was like a major thing that helped him a lot. So he's just, just like, okay, let me do this. Let me talk about the DACA. Let me just put it in place and stuff. But... It's still like it's still it's it's not a path for citizenship or it's not a path for a green car. It's not a path for nothing. So it's basically yeah. we just there up in the air, you know, that any time is gonna be taken away. So back to your question, what I really like what I really hope, you know, for the DACA, now that you know, I'm not on it, but there's my sister, there's everybody, you know, there's a lot of people, you know. I just I feel like do it the right way. Like if you're gonna help us do it the right way like fix our system the right way don't just throw it out there and just you know and there's there's you know just throw it out there and just be messy about it and what i wish you know yeah just like a whole so basically give give people the chance to go and reopen that case when they were a little kid and terminate them cases and so they can at least you know be residents because a lot of people they don't want to even you know a lot of people they don't even care about being citizens of the united states they're like as long as we work hard, we go to school, and, you know, that's that's what we want. Just, you know, everybody, like, right now prays for them to have, like, they're like, we just want to have a driver's license because we don't want to get ticket, we don't want to get deported, we don't want to get this, we don't want to get, you know, get stopped in a, in a checkpoint and get deported and stuff. So it's just like a whole thing, you know, they're like, we we basically are, we don't have nothing in our hands, so we just there. So whatever they throw us, we're going to be happy, we're going to be, like, blessed. But, you know, a lot of people have that struggle that they'd be like, what if, you know, if I go to work and there's a checkpoint and, you know, there's well, some cops. The, there was a temporary fix, and, and that was the problem that the Democrats, you know, and I, will, I want to get deeper into this in just a minute. But um, basically, one of the criticisms that I have of liberals and Democrats is that they didn't do anything when they had a, one, they had a supermajority at one point. They could have written legislation. And for 40 years, and like I said, we'll talk more about this in depth, but for 40 years, nothing was done. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a three-point plan, I think, that I'll share in a minute, but what I think should be done, and some people might disagree with it. But anyway, we'll get, and you can share yours too. Uh, Sergio, <coughs> getting back to, so basically, Sergio has this deportation order as a child. Then we get married. We file the paperwork with Patrick. We then have our appointment on the 18th. Patrick calls us ahead of that and says, you can't go with Sergio because they're going to arrest him and detain him and deport him. And so we go in, ICE is rifling through his paperwork, Sergio's in the car, and we're sitting down at the immigration appointment with the guy whose name I can't remember. I want to say, well, I probably shouldn't say it on here, but anyway, um, he's the immigration guy, separate from ICE. Two different issues here, two different people, two different groups. And we're working through the immigration paperwork, and that's when ICE busts in. And they pull the attorney out. They have this heated discussion. And it's about the fact that Sergio's not there. Where's Sergio? That was the first question they asked. So they go back and forth. And uh, Patrick is saying, well, he's not coming. They said, why? And so long story, a little bit shorter. The One of the guys, that the, that time I was uh, active duty. And he said, you think we're going to arrest the spouse of an active duty officer? And our attorney said, yes. And so. Sure do. Surely do. So anyway. He says, if you can't guarantee this, and that's important, that word. He said, if you can't guarantee that you're not going to detain him, he's not coming in here. We're not going to bring him. We're not calling him. So they said, 
okay. Like the very fact that Sergio showed up meant that they consented to this reality of guaranteeing they're not going to detain him and start deportation process, right? So they get the paperwork together. Sergio comes in and the paperwork basically was a supervision waiver which I signed with us. There were five witnesses in there that day. So there was the immigration guy, our attorney, Sergio, two ICE officers, and me. There were six people there. So five people watched Sergio sign, and then five people watched the immigration officer sign. They took Sergio's fingerprints, you know, for whatever reason, and they gave him the uh, appointment on May the 10th, which was our first supervision appointment. So we walked away that day, Sergio, if I make sure I got this right, with two things. We walked away with a marriage exception waiver, which is actually a marriage exception. And we walked away with the waiver for supervision. And everything was good. And so on May the 10th, we go to Charlotte. That was in Raleigh. Then we go to Charlotte on May the 10th. And that's when they he goes back. I couldn't go back with him. He was in there for about four hours. And I get a phone call from Sergio saying, uh, basically, they're detaining and deporting me. Sergio, where were you when you said that? When you called me? I was I was basically there in the detention well, be in the detention center. So they have like three floors. The first floor is the where they have like the holding cells mm-hmm. and the whole detention thing. So that's when they were they were like, Oh yeah, we have to take you to um the first floor so we can get you processed and stuff. So that's when I call you because he's like, Hey you um you got you got two um you got two phone calls. And I'm like, wait, where, but I'm like, where am I going to go over there? Like, what am I going to do over there? Like, who am I going to talk to? And they, you know, they were like, oh yeah, we don't care about that. We we don't care about that. We just want to get you processed, get your fingerprints. You will fix that with your consulate or anybody, but we don't care about that. We don't care who you're going to go, you know, you have to get deported. So we're going to remove you from the United States. So I was like, wait, what? So that's, that's when I called you and stuff. Yeah. Was I the first person you called? Careful huh? how you answer this. <laughs> was I the first person Lie. you called? Lie. Oh my God, yes. Did you call your mother first? Yes, I called my mom first. Nah, we we'll have to talk about that later. I'm kidding. I'd ordered a pizza first, so I mean. Yeah. I'm surprised he did. I would have called. Oh. When you knew the bread and cheese was coming. Yeah. Right? It's pizza time. What were you think? What were you thinking? Like, what were you feeling at that time? I was just, uh, I was shocked because I was like, wait, is this a prank? Like, I was supposed to come here, you know, have a nice day, get it, get my get my probation uh, officer to sign my paper and basically say, tell me, hey, I see you in six months or in three months, depending on whenever he wants to see me back. But I was shocked because I was just like, wait, you're telling me that you get it, you're deporting me because the guy that gave me the offer, you know, the guy that granted me the probation is saying that... He's having a bad day, so he's gonna he's gonna remove that that probation that he gave me um, two months ago in Raleigh. In Raleigh, so I was just like, "Wait, is that the guy?" And I'm like, "Let me speak to him." And then he's like, "Oh yeah, no, no, you can't speak to him." Um, he just said he can't. So when I got detained in Chaco, he was over there like playing golf and stuff, which I'm, you know, I got him. <laughs> uh. So he basically they said the reason he gave you was that. He changed his mind. He was not having a good day. Yeah, he's like he changed his mind. He's not having a good day. He's like he's not having a good day, and he's just saying that he can't. Like he's gonna, dip, you know, that he, we have to take your papers and we have to get you processed and stuff. And I'm like, but th- this is the guy that actually promised me in Raleigh that he was not gonna touch me. That he was, you know, he was gonna give me the whole probation. 
slip. And then he's like, yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy who actually signed your paper. But he says that he changed his mind, basically. I was like, wait, what? What in the hell? Yeah, so they revoked the waiver they gave us. So the power that this ICE... Who is this guy? Who is this ICE agent? Is this dude like the freaking well, president the of ICE? Because no. who, how do you have the authority to say, no, and I'm having a bad day on the at golf, and so you're deported because I'm having a bad... I know exactly. I, I told you to come here so we could work through this stuff, right. but I'm having a bad day, so... Have fun in exactly. Honduras, that's buddy. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, basically, he uh, told us, he guaranteed us that everything would be fine. Yeah. And then it was almost like a setup. It was almost like because Sergio could not go back with his attorney, our attorney, sure. there, and he could not go back with me there. So there was no, so it was almost like separating a sheet from the fold, you know, and then attacking it. So basically, it was like, yeah, we guarantee this here and you're good. And, you know, here's the thing ice lies. And, and, and I'll take credit for saying that, and Sergio gets mad when I get real aggressive, but they ain't going to mess. I, I don't think they're going to mess with us. But the point is, they lie. And they lie to us on multiple occasions. Uh, and that was the one occasion that made the most difference. But, you know, they just, they're just trying to figure out a way to get you isolated. And then, then they're like, okay, well, we're good. So they revoked the waiver. So then they, they revoked the waiver. He called me. And then, Sergio, you were, you were there for how long in, in Charlotte? That was a Thursday, right? Yeah. That was a Thursday. And um, they were trying to actually, like, send me, like, real fast. They were trying to, like, get my whole process in so they can send me to the whole, um, to the detention center in Stewart, which is the, uh, that's the, that's the name of the center in, in Atlanta. Because they're like, oh, you know, by Tuesday, you have, you know, there's a flight that goes to Honduras, so... They're like, we want you to the whole, you know, because they do like a whole bus. When the bus is full, that's when they take people to um to to Atlanta. Meanwhile, you can actually, you know, they have you like in the county jails, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to like it's your turn until the bus gets full, so they can, you know, they can do like a whole trip, a one way trip, to Stewart in Atlanta. So I was gonna be the I was gonna be the last person on that bus. And they were, you know, the guy was like, yeah, we need to get his, you know, get his fingerprints real quick, get, get him, get him settled because, you know, the bus leaves in 10 minutes. And they were barely putting my fingerprints in. So, and I was like, no, I'm like, you're going to chill out. You're going to talk to me. You're going to explain to me exactly what I'm going to sign and what I'm not going to sign. You know, so you're going to tell me everything, the whole, the whole fucking nine yards. There we go. Oh. It's all right. It's, it's explicit. It's fine. <laughs> so the whole fucking nine yards <laughs> so and he's like and then he you know the guy was like you know what um he told the, he told the officers they were like he told them that i was that i was not gonna get to go um that thursday night that thursday afternoon that i was not i was not gonna get to go so they played they actually sent they did the whole process and they sent me to um to mecklenburg to to the county jail and there, I had to get processed and stuff like for like took them like nine hours forget you know to get me processed and to get me to give me a bed. The funny part on Mecklenburg was that it was full. He was like the with the guard when I went to the guard and stuff you know where there were like the whole the whole cell. He's like, oh, um, it doesn't say here that you got like a cell a room. You don't got a room. So, and I'm like, so what are you talking about? And they were like. Uh, you don't got a room. Like, you don't got a room here because it's full. Like so so no he's like, yeah, so he's like, you know, Jesus. what we do is like, you can Go sleep in the room. living room. He, they're like, you can sleep in the, you know, in the outside porch, 
they put like they have like little beds they stuck you on the porch yeah there you can sleep in the porch if you want if not you can just see you can sit there and you can read the bible that's the only book i can give you and i was like a little religiously uninclusive (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, i guess you'd be reading the bible that's the only thing yeah that's the only thing they give you a bible so i was like no sir i'm not gonna do this i'm gonna do this whole process and stuff so that guy was just like okay well let me call them and stuff and they had like a big argument because there were like there were six cells available but they they say in our paper it says that you can't you know you can't be in that cell until actually someone the supervisor actually puts you in a cell so we can give you no cell until the supervisor says hey you know 5a is open for him even though 5a is free there's it's nobody there open. yeah so it's just like a whole yeah. it's a whole system a whole raggedy ass system so um there's that watch again um, so, <laughs> so because Sergio's going to slip out here in just a minute and Jimmy and I are going to talk the political ramifications because uh, Sergio has less interest in that than we do. Yeah. And he will get bored and angry. So if you, you don't want him either one of those. So, <laughs> so anyway, but Sergio, I do want to ask you a couple questions before you go. I'm going to edit this out. I'm over here. I'm going to ask you some questions. All right. I'm ready, sir. Oh, thank you. So anyway, we'll edit that out. Um, but so here, tell us about the condition. So basically from there he goes, he, that's when he gets his four slices of bread and cheese, and that was for an entire day, the first day? No, that, that was the Mecklenburg, the Mecklenburg. Okay. And the Mecklenburg, they gave me, uh, it was shady food, but at least, you know, they managed to give us like some fake mashed potatoes or something, right. you know. That was good. That was like the Mecklenburg County was good. <laughs> it was good. What the big issue it was, was good or it was it was edible. Yeah, well, like well, I never been in jail like that. I never okay. been in jail like that, so I don't know what what okay. that is. But it was na- well, it was it was nasty food, but people managed to eat it and put some different stuff. So the Mecklenburg County Jail was good. The food, but when they got when they sent us back to. They said after in the morning, it was Friday morning, they took me, they took me like around nine o'clock and they sent me, they sent me back to the place where I got detained to the Homeland um, Services office. And from there, we were going to wait for the bus. And, you know, there's been people that they told me, they're like, oh, you lucky as hell because um, I've been, I've been, I've been in accounting jail for like for three months waiting for this bus to get here so they can, you know, so we can go to, so I can, you know, be taken to Atlanta and get processed. And I, they're like, you know what? To this point, I don't care. I just want to just, I want, I want to get deported now, like so bad that I want to get deported. I can like just, so I'm signing. So you know, so but they, what they do is like they intimidate you, and they keep you in these cells, in these county cells and stuff, and so that so you can basically sign your, you know, your your deportation. So you can be like, because you know, it is, it is hard. It is bad. It's a bad experience. So they're like, yeah, we, I'm just ready. I'm like, but you got, you got, you got so, you know, there's a lot of people that can, they can fire their case and they can actually win. That was not my watch. It wasn't. That was, <laughs> I don't even have a watch, but, yeah. That was Jimmy imaginary watch. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um. So, so if you do, sign one of these things, like, here's the thing that people don't realize. If you sign what is a self-deportation order, mm-hmm. you're screwed. You're but they get these people in there and they sweat them out. And they sign them, and I'm dealing with people right now who've done that, who were trying to help. I, there's not a lot I can do, but yeah, I don't know if if 
your listeners have frequented county jails, but I don't think it's a, I personally haven't, yeah. but <laughs> I have some friends that have and it was even for 24 hours. It's not a pleasant experience right, to go through. So, so they pick you up on the bus and by the way, shackled hands and feet. Oh yes. Yes. I feel like for, a for being a child who came across the border, hands and feet shackled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're dang you look dangerous. Well, he you does. Look like you could just he is dangerous. Knock somebody. Get him out. mad. See how dangerous <laughs> he is. Thank you for the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you gonna say though? You get from there nine AM So we get yeah, so basically everybody's shackled down, you know. Um same thing as shackled. So we get there and stuff. <laughs> um in the county jail, if you have if you are so in the county jail they basically list they, they basically label you as three different colors, which is orange oh. uh gray and blue so blue is with the feds so that's the like that's the criminals that's the drug dealers that's the so, killers so that's the murders trump gray funeral home director i thought that blue, was gonna police. take like just the most racist yeah black term. gray they label you're either light-skinned <laughs> or like whoa <laughs> <laughs> no so basically you know and, you know there was these guys that they have killed like they murdered like a lot of people and I was I was in jail with them, and they're like, "Oh shit, you a badass." I'm like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, cause you got the you got the blue wristband. That's you know that's that's the feds. We don't we don't mess with y'all here in jail." I was like, "What?" And they're like, "What what what did you do?" I'm like, "I'm getting deported." And they're like, "Oh damn, that's how bad." They're like, "That's how bad they have y'all label ass here." And I'm like, "Yeah." So after that, we got shackles, and we went back to um the the office and from there we were just waiting for the bus so we waited for like around let's say 10 hours we waited 10 hours there and it was like 30 30 guys in one cell waiting for this damn bus that never came uh for 10 hours then after that they they chuckled us down they put us in the bus and then they took us to atlanta and we and in atlanta we were supposed to have like a break a pee break and stuff we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to pee. You know, we're going to have a good time. But, no, <laughs> they got us halfway, and they opened, like, the back. The back of the bus had, like, a bathroom, a see-through bathroom. There was no door nothing. You had to just pee or take a dump right there, like, in front of everybody. You smell, you know, you smell everybody. So, right there. So, and that's when they get after that, they after our bathroom break, they gave us our bread, our four slices of bread and one slice of cheese and we had to share water if there was not enough. So from there, we got there to the detention center. And the detention center, it took them 11 hours to get us processed. And it was like it was like 20 of us, 30 of us, because the girls are in a different place. And they, and they actually label you by colors, too. So if you, have a, if, you have a blue, if you have a blue uniform there, you basically like are a non-threat. You're not a, you're not a non-threat, but if you are have like a red, that means that you like a criminal. That so a blue and a red cannot be together. They cannot mix. Like you cannot talk to them, because if you do, the uh, you basically get in trouble when you go exact. You go directly to the federal jail. So it's like a whole whole and crazy. This is thing. at Stewart now. This is a Stewart, yeah, in Stewart. So you put on your jumper, and then what what happens? Well, so basically, how do they treat you there? On store, it was, it was, it's horrible there because um, people are just willing. They're like, I don't, I just want to see this judge, and I just want to sign my volunteering deportation because they're like, I don't care if he gives me twenty years or ten years not to come back to the United States, but I'm just willing it because 
because you know that's obviously it's not gonna be a they call it a camp they don't call it a detention center right because every time you every time you say detention center you actually get in trouble so it was a it's called Stewart camp and so center and 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 basically it I want to ask one question because I never have asked this question. Mm-hmm. Then we'll let you, we'll cut you loose and let you go hang out with our company that we have. But here's the question I want to ask you. So you called me going back just before you got to Stewart. So the day you got detained, I'm at Starbucks waiting on you. And you called me and you said, I'm being detained and deported. Do you remember what I said? I do. I do remember now what exactly what you well, said. Well, tell me basically what you remember that I said. He said, you, they mess with the wrong fucking guy. Yeah, probably they did. They're <laughs> like, don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this shit fixed. So, when I, so I remember saying very... Sp- we have problems going on, too. So right. Just, yeah. Yeah, we got in an argument before we got there that day. And so... It's your fault, by the way. Yeah, it was not my fault. To the public. But, guarantee it wasn't my fault. But anyway... We'll get you guys uh, a chaplain in here. We can yeah, that's all right. We'll pass on that. We got one upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Fabian. But Jordan. so basically oh Jordan, yeah, that's right. So uh here's the thing. So they called and I got the call and I was just sort of shocked. I didn't know what I didn't even know how to process what was happening sure. because yeah. I didn't expect it. And I remember very specifically saying they did mess probably with the wrong fucking guy. Sorry, mom. But uh and then I said, I will take care of this. What did you think when I said that? I'm just curious. Did you mm. did you think I could? No, I didn't. Like, I, I know that you were, because you got a big mouth, Tim. And I know that you're not going to stop, you're not going to rest. But in that moment, I was just like, shit. Like, you know, they tricked us in our face. They played us, and, you know, they basically played us. They see they seen us as a joke. And, you know, basically when someone, you know, with an officer, when an officer tells you, like, you're getting deported and we have to process you in or process you out, out of the country, there's no hope. There's no like, oh, sh- oh my God, like you know. There's like for me that was like the last straw. It was just like, wow, like it's actually happening and stuff. So I didn't, I didn't think that that was gonna happen. I didn't think that I was not gonna be here as we speak. Yeah. Because it's just like so many things that I know that I've been through, and so many like so many stories that I have heard from people mm-hmm. that you know. There's like. Um, there was one story about some guy that, you know, his his kids, uh, his two kids have cancer and he's the only one that provides for his family, but they're deporting him. Like, and he hasn't even like, he hasn't done, he hasn't commit any crime. He hasn't had any traffic tickets, any, anything whatsoever in 20 years that he has been here and he's getting deported. And he says that he didn't have a chance to fight because yeah. he didn't have money. He's like, all my, all the medications go to, you know, all my money goes to my, to my kids and stuff so they can get better. So I don't have a chance. He's like, I don't have a chance. I don't, I'm not going to fight it because that's going to be money. Cause like for the, you know, for people, they say that unless you got $10,000, you can fight your case. You can actually walk out out yeah. of, out of, you know, out of an immigration court and just be like, yeah, yeah. I got the money. Yeah. But some people don't, you know, cause a lot of a lot of Hispanics they live from you know, yeah, paycheck to paycheck because you know they're like any day they're gonna deport me and I won't have like nothing in my country to go back you know to, so they're like you know it's it's really tough it's really it's really it's really tough like the whole the whole immigration life and stuff you know a lot of people worry about different stuff, but it's just like people here they've been living here for twenty years and 
they're still scared since since the first day they came to the United States. They're still scared. They have, you know, they sleep, they wake up with the same fear, you know, leaving their family behind, leaving, the you know, everything they have built here. So, you know, it's just like, it's a reality check, you know. And yeah. when when I was there and they, he said that I was going to, you know, they in there and I was getting deported, I was shocked when I called you, you know. I was just like, yeah, there's did. no way. I'm like, there's... I was too. I was just shocked, you know. It's just because for us, you know, even... even even the fact like uh, we actually like have faith and hope when you know that that um immigration um officer told us yeah we're not going to detain you because you know your spouse you you're in a spouse of a military um forces uh, armed forces so we're not going to touch you we're not going to do this and you know so basically you know that was our thing i was just like we're not you know but when they just lied to our face and mm-hmm. when that guy just sits there and be like oh yeah i had a bad day in golf so um He's going to take your papers away. He's going to, you know, he says that he's going to take whatever he gave you back. Yeah. I would, I I hope that that is not the actual case, that they were just being stupid or or making a joke. Because if the actual state of affairs is that individual ICE agents are making these calls on a whim. They are. And going, you're, you know, eh, I like you. You're not getting deported. Or, Mm -hmm. hey, I had a a bad day. You are getting deported. I, I would like to think that there's some kind of law and order to the organization. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to address that because there's not. Yeah, and and there's I'm going to address that in just a second. Uh, Sergio's got to get going, but uh, anything you want to add? Yeah, there's not. Like, <laughs> what they do, you know, basically immigration, you know, they said agency that they they don't have, like, no... They do they do have uh, po- uh, policies that they have to follow, but when it comes to, like, I can kick you out. I can, you know, they don't care. They're just gonna choose whoever they want or whoever they feel. Yeah, it's just like yeah. So whatever you know, whatever day you go in there, you know, you better hope that they're in a good, you know, in a yeah. good day. Or you better like grab like little kids, you know, like your 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 cousin or your niece or your brother or something. Take them with you, because that's what a lot of people did, and that's that was my mistake. I feel I feel because um a lot of people when they were there, and they even had like even worse than me, you know. They had, uh, there was this guy that had four days and he had the, um, what's it called? What is the, oh, he had the ankle brace. He had oh, the ankle yeah. brace because he just, he just came to the United States four days ago. So he had the ankle brace and he came with the ankle brace in his hand because he, he, he ripped it and he's like, and he gave it to him and he's like, oh yeah, you know, and they were, you know, the officer the ice was like yeah we're gonna detain you because um and we're gonna process you out because you basically were trying to like flee the country or you're trying to flee the state or go somewhere else so you know that's 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 not responsible. but he had like his daughter there her his three-year-old daughter so they're like oh no we're not gonna touch you so they just put another ankle brace and just let him go but and when you go to those to those appointments my mistake was you know and i forgot but i was just like and they're not gonna do nothing to me but what a lot of people do is like no matter what they have to do when they come to like go into an office, an immigration office, they always t- t- take like their kids for like the emotional to no, appeal. So to they, that. No, so they no, so they so basically like the officer would be like, oh shit, you take got you got you got yeah you got kids, kids here, yeah. so we can't we're not gonna do nothing to it. But them. but could you take the kids back with you? Mm-hmm. You could take the kids back there with you. Yeah. 
But we couldn't. I couldn't go back there. there Cause you're not a kid, Tim. You know what? Well, you're not my son. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Well, I so mean, who I, are you gonna take? If it was a situation where it was like your actual child that you're responsible for, right? I doubt they would leave the kid in the lobby by yeah, himself. Yeah, they can. Yeah. But you could take care of yourself probably Most in the lobby. So basically, that was you know that was the thing because like I I seen everybody just there you know and they were like you know there was they were they were fat they were actually women's that. They were they were not their kids. They were just like their family their family members' yeah. kids. But it's just like Yeah. I don't wanna go back. So I'm gonna have this kid, you know, so they won't yeah. send me back because mm-hmm. they can't send you back. Right. Unless you, you know, the whole okay. thing when you come to the to the country, yeah. if you have a kid, they won't you know, they will let you be in the country. Yeah. So, you know, okay. it's just like a whole All right, well thanks, babe. We'll let thanks. you uh go. Thanks everybody. Sure. We'll, Catch we'll me next time I cook in with Tim. And YouTube. Ah. And oh keep it gosh. keep it clean. Yeah, yeah, keep it clean, please. <laughs> he can't do that, obviously. Uh. Thank you, Jimmy Hens, for coming over. Hey, you know, when I find Jimmy, I'll be sure to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, listening to to his story and and to other people that have similar stories like him, it's crazy to me that even like the last story he said, the guy that came in, he had entered the country four days ago. He had an ankle right. bracelet on. And he's going through the same process as Sergio, who's been in the country his whole life. Right. For all, you know, practical purposes, Sergio's an American. Right. Um, I think that where I draw the line as a conservative is I don't necessarily see a problem deporting someone who is four days into the country. Right. Illegally. Right. Because... I mean, you came into the country illegally. You should right. you should go through the proper, and we'll get into more about what the proper channels are and how right. we can fix that later. But as of now, the way the laws are on the books, right. you know, it, you you did come to the country illegally. Uh, the issue that I, I I don't think conservatives, I think a lot of times conservatives are painted as you know they hate DACA. Right. Like a conservative doesn't give a crap that Sergio's been here for eighteen years. Yeah. They just want him gone because they're racist and send all them Mexicans back to Mexico, even right. though he's from Honduras. Yeah. Uh, so doesn't matter. It's all the same to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think that's really accurate. I think it's probably not. I think the it's a window. The it's a group for DACA was what like seventy percent. I think seventy percent. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's, yeah, it's like seventy eight, isn't it? Or yeah, se- it's, it's high. It's, it's, high, yeah. it's high. And I think probably even the twenty percent that said no, I think out of them, if you really took the time to explain the situation, like if you told them yeah. Sergio's story, they'd go, "Oh yeah, that guy probably shouldn't be deported. That doesn't make a lot of sense." Right. Um. So it's crazy to me that we're not differentiating between these cases because, like you said, we've for the past 40 years, we have failed yeah. at at enforcing our laws and failed at keeping people out of our country. Right. And now you've got kids that have grown up in America. That's an American, man. And you've got to right. give them a path to citizenship. Yeah, and I've got a couple of things I want to say about how that works Uh before I do that, I'm going to wrap up what we were talking about. So basically what happened from the time that he got down to Stewart, uh, well, actually the time we hung up the phone, mm-hmm. there was about a, I don't know, 30-second minute window where I stood still and thought to myself when the phone, when we hung up, I did tell him, I said, I'm, I will fix this. But for about 30 minutes or 30 seconds, uh, well, actually I said to him, let me speak to somebody there in ICE. And I heard them in the background when he asked. They said no. And for about 30 seconds, for the first time in my life, which we might disagree on this, but for the first time in my life, I felt like any privilege I'd ever had as a white male did not exist. 
I never experienced that. Well, it never exists in the first place. Anyway. So, <laughs> so the point was I had, as a citizen of the United States, going by every law that had been set up, following every procedure, doing everything we'd done, paying all the money that we'd paid, going through an attorney, going through the appointments, doing the paperwork, everything that we were supposed to do, we were doing. And in that moment, nothing mattered. Yeah. Because the, the problem with ICE is that they, they have unfettered authority. And because they have unfettered, or unfettered authority and they're not accountable, basically they, they, they play fast and loose. And when you play fast and loose, you get sloppy. Sure. ICE is used to, and I saw this that day, I saw the people that were there, and I'm in no way speaking in a demeaning sense, but I saw the people that were there. They were in desperation. They were trying to figure out what to do. There are yeah. people coming to this country, some through different means, whatever. Some maybe even uh, not just crossing a border, but coming legal, legally. But they were all there seeking the same thing. And Isaac probably assumed that Sergio was married maybe to another Hispanic or maybe to someone that wasn't going to say anything. But what they did is they made a calculated mistake, which was they, they just pissed off the wrong guy. Yeah. And so from that point, I called our attorney, I called a supervisor at work, and then I began to bombard news stations. Yeah. So much so that I even just drove into Charlotte, NBC, and when the gate opened, because I, <laughs> I just drove in. Yeah. And I finally got to talk to somebody, and they, they dismissed me at first, and they said, well, you know, we're going to have to talk to the executive producers. I've never been, there have been few things in my life where I felt more determined and knew what the, knew that I was going to make a, ma- a major shakeup happen. Yeah. This was one of those times. Like I, people ask me, what were you thinking? What was going on through your mind? I, nothing except work as hard as I could to make this happen. And I told that lady when she said, well, we've got to run this by, I said, you are making a mistake. I said, because somebody's going to pick up this story and you just lost an exclusive first right, you know, yeah. to this story. And so they did. They picked it up in Raleigh, and then from there it just exploded. So I went for four days without eating, sleeping, whatever, and uh, had two press conferences. It went into the national media scene pretty quickly in about two days. And then from there, uh, we put so much pressure on ICE, that, and I called them out. I called them liars because they did. They lied to us multiple times. And they kept saying to me, well, you know, Mr. Brown is not – representing the re- and I was like well show me where and then I would take what they said and I'd just hold the paperwork up you know yeah so that was kind of the logistics of what was happening in that time frame so exactly why did they release Sergio and let him come home their what, nuts what, were in a did, in a vice but <laughs> I'm seriously yeah but I mean so I'll, okay protocol wise I guess did they ever yeah. give you a reason say hey you know what we made a mistake here or did they was it hey you're putting up too much of a fight and it's getting bad media attention, so to appease you and get you to shut up, we'll just Both. send them home. And I'll tell you what happened. So when I did my first interview here at the house with uh, ABC, Cunningham, Casey Cunningham, yeah. when I did the first interview, she sent me their first statement. I knew when they sent me their first statement, we had something. Because yeah. their first statement, so just a timeline here, April the 18th was our first meeting. We met with immigration and we met ICE face to face, shook their hands, slapped me on the back. Thank you for your service. We're doing this because of you, because you're in the service. We're helping you out, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they said these things to me. That was April the 18th. So remember that date, April the 18th. Their first written public statement to the media was, 
we first encountered Mr. Sergio Avila. It's on my phone. Yeah, I've got it. We first encountered Mr. Sergio Avila at a targeted raid in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, I remember that. On April the 19th. <laughs> they just lied. Straight raided him. He was in a in a crack house and we kicked the door down. Right. Yeah, that's what they said. They that's basically insane. said on April the 19th, that was our first interaction. I told the lady, uh, Casey Cunningham, I said, that's an absolute lie. We met on April the 18th for, in Raleigh, shook hands, talked about stuff, you know, hot at first, a little heated out conversation, and then they gave us a waiver. So then my attorney, he will probably get mad that I'm saying this, called me and said, uh, I have, this is privileged information. And of course, Patrick, if you're listening, you did tell me, don't tell the media. I didn't tell the media, but I am telling other people. You are the media now. Yeah. So <laughs> basically somebody from the headquarters told him, this is privileged information, and said, we messed up. Yeah. They might have cursed. I don't remember. And I told him, I said, well, they got two days. and You need to tell them. So they, over a weekend, which is not normal, we stirred up such a stink, and they realized this was not going to go away. When it started, I mean, just snowballing. Yeah. I was on every network. Uh, Newsweek picked it up. Other, you know, I mean, I can't even list all of the publications that actually began to produce the, the articles yeah. and the stories. Uh, by Monday morning, ICE was scrambling, trying to figure out a way to release him. And this is what they did to cover up. They basically issued us a waiver on April the 18th. They revoked that waiver, same waiver, on May the 10th. They reissued the exact same waiver on that Monday. To let him? To let him go. To let him go. Because that covers the deportation order. So... So from your viewpoint, you think that they, it's not that they made a mistake. It's not that it was like an, uh, like an accounting error. It wasn't that it was like a paperwork error. They made a calculated decision knowing yeah. the circumstances. Yeah, I think they did. And I, deported him anyway. Then when you caused a right. ruckus, yeah, they came back and said, this guy's fighting. We need to let this guy go. We, we know based on that same conversation with ICE uh, through the attorney that Charlotte knew about the waiver sure. that we talked about. They were in that conversation. Yeah. So ICE was scrambling at this point. Yeah, They were trying to figure out a way to, do, to keep him probably and, and not have to do it, but they just, there was no way. Yeah. It, it, had, it had gained so much momentum, which is shocking because on Friday and Saturday, people don't listen to the news. Yeah. People you know, engage again on Sunday night, usually. Uh, that's just the way news cycles work. That's why presidents drop bad information on a Friday. Yeah. Because nobody talks about it Saturday. You know? <laughs> and and so the same thing was happening here. But we just, I mean, I literally, we started a Twitter and a social media storm. I had a guy, Nick Newell, uh, and then Nick Chapman, both working with me. Nick Newell was doing publication stuff for us through Twitter. and I mean, we were just using everything that we had, calling and tweeting to everybody. Sure. And it just took a life of its own. So uh, then that Monday they had released him, and of course he stayed the night in the hotel. We he had his got his possessions back, and he took yeah. the, the Amex. Uh, and Amex, if you happen to ever listen to this, you know, send us some money for pub, for publicity. But uh, I am a platinum member, so you know, give, you give a brother props, some points or something. Yeah. And so uh, basically that next Tuesday morning he flew back, and that's when we held that final press conference. And he came back. It's another thing we're talking about the treatment. We'll get into all this uh, briefly, but. 
basically he came back with blisters on the bottom of his feet and you can't see this three and four inches in diameter i mean across his foot really like it was yeah and when he was in detention they told him that he could work uh in the kitchen for eight hours for a dollar a day i mean and and that's one of the things you know people don't realize the inhumanity of this process because you're not a citizen you have zero rights yeah. You don't have a right to an attorney. You don't have right to representation. You don't have right to any of the basic other needs. And 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 so when you start looking at these kids separated from parents, and people say, "Well, they're in cages." Well, I mean, it's bad. It's it's whether they're in cages or not, and they some of them are. Uh, you know, the inhumanity that we treat people with. Yeah. I mean, it's just not right. So yeah, I think that's a pretty major issue I have. So here we are, the conservative Republican Party. And we're tackling immigration, right? We've kicked the can down the road for years. And now, you know what? We're going to attack this thing and we're going to sort it out, which is good. I think that's a good thing. It's going to be, I, th- I think it's good for everyone that we come to a conclusion and we sort it out. Right. Um, the issue is the fact that the conservatives hold the viewpoint of strong immigration laws and enforcing immigration laws and the whole build the wall and beefing up border security. Right. Because you hold that view right off the bat, you're going to be seen as prejudice. People out there are going to say, you just hate Hispanics. You're just a racist redneck and all conservatives and all Republicans are just racist bigots. And that's why they want to do this. Right. So it's crazy to me that we would not go through, you know, jump through hoops to ensure that, those people have no ground to stand on. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I would want to see these these people going through this pipeline to be taken care of to the nth degree. Like I want to see these dudes eating lobster dinners, not literally, but right, right. being taken care of well right. so that you can say, "Hey, we're not we don't hate these people. We don't want to treat them like animals. We just want to, you know, do the right thing and enforce our nation's immigration laws and fix our nation's immigration laws." Um, right. And I don't think we've done a good job at that because now, you know, the headlines are ki- – and a lot of that stuff has been artificially boosted up. You got pictures from 2014 right. being used all over the news and stuff. But some of that stuff's legitimate. I mean, there's right. absolutely – like well, with and, here, case. and here's the difference. So it, there were some limited amounts of separation of families back in Obama's reign and, yeah. and, and even others too. And people use the argument that, you know, when you have someone who breaks the law, you separate them from the family. But these are people who are creating or committing felonies. Usually, uh, you don't get arrested and separated from your family for a misdemeanor, which is what crossing the border is. Yeah, uh, a misdemeanor. You know, and and the other thing is that uh, people ask me all the time. Well, you know, this talking about the family separation thing. Well, you know, this is, you know, the law is on the books and the law is on the books. But what is new is in April the zero tolerance policy, which and then the administration has been talking for the last year and a half about using separation as a means of uh, deterrence. Yeah. But, so, so the zero know, tolerance policy was essentially just saying we are going to uphold this law with, yeah. there's going to be no leeway because before it was catch and release, you know, if we catch you crossing the border, we'll release you. And that wasn't working obviously. And everyone, I think anyone who cares about enforcing immigration laws knows that catch and release wasn't effective. I think it was right. like 80% of people right. wouldn't show up for their court dates. Um, like Sergio, why did not, why didn't he jump on his tricycle and ride? Exactly. His, no. on his big that's wheel. obviously that's a different issue, but yeah. Um, so to me, I think using family separation as a deterrent is, is just ridiculous. Yeah. Like that is 
absolutely. I mean, that's borderline evil. Okay, you, you yeah. shouldn't do that. But um, I don't think that enforcing. I don't think that doing away with the catch and release policy is a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. But I think that when they decided, hey, we're going to do this, we're right. going to have a zero tolerance policy. How they didn't look in the future and go, hey, this is going to include kids being separated from their parents and say, we shouldn't do it. It goes back to that. You need to treat these people with respect and dignity and treat them well. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to be looked on as the bigot party. Well, yeah. Here's the problem with it. I I mean, I don't think this is debatable. It might be. It could be. But it's April when they did this. Midterm elections are looming, not looking good in some ways. It's a strategy. I mean, like anything in politics, Obama did it, Trump did it, Bush has done it. That's what politics is. And it was a strategy to say, well, we're going to gamble, we're going to roll the dice, and um, we're going to see if we can't create some momentum. Yeah. And so, and what they did was they they miscalculated. It was a it was a very bad miscalculation, and they ended up. Uh, having to come back on that. I don't think they would have come back on it had they not. Yeah. I don't think they would have come back on it. I think had this worked, they'd have just run forward with it. But it, it was a midterm uh, election strategy. Yeah. So do you think... Which would you Would you support a bill that gives people under DACA a pathway to citizenship? So if, if a bill came across that gave a pathway to citizenship for uh, people under the DACA program increase border security whether that be a wall or whatever measures they take right um and also fix the i mean obviously do away with the lottery system of immigration right. and makes a doorway to citizenship for anyone in you know a foreign country that wants to come in that's attainable that's not crazy right um is that something that you would support do you think that's what's needed I mean, I think, yeah, I think there should be some changes, some laws put in place to change the system. Here's the fundamental problem that I find with the system. For 40 years, we have kicked the can down the road. A horrible term that we use all the time about bills and laws yeah. and things in Congress. Korea. Basically, Congress sucks yeah. and has for 40 years. Sure. Democrats and Republicans both have run on immigration, talked about immigration. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. Obama, I fought him. Uh, for some of this because he had a supermajority and rather than attacking this issue and dealing with it and and you could have passed he could have passed a, a system of an of amnesty yeah with all the support he had at that point but did nothing except later on right before you know it, you know right before his next election yeah he did the daca term the temporary uh bill yeah. or executive order so so here's what we've got we have 40, at least 40 years of a broken system. It's been broken longer. You know, Reagan back then said amnesty is good and provided amnesty for a million uh, workers to have work visas. Yeah. Uh, and so here's the God of conservatism saying, yeah, amnesty is good. And he's praised by conservatives who don't think it is. And yeah. I'm not saying amnesty is the thing. I'm saying we haven't done anything. What you cannot do is something that went back when I was a youth minister, which may come as a shock to many people out there is like the woman who came to my church with her 15-year-old, and she said, Tim, we have been hearing about your youth ministry and program all over the county, and we wanted to bring our son here because we just feel like that you can help him. 
and we need you and we just we really appreciate what you're doing yeah i looked at her in all honesty wonderful lady and i called her name and i said look i can't fix in four years what was broken for 15 yeah the problem is a lot like with the tariffs maybe a good idea but unlike like slamming into a tree yeah you can't say right now for 40 years yeah we're just gonna let you come here and work in the avocado fields we're gonna let you build our infrastructure we're gonna let you we're gonna live off of your backs to your labor yeah and then one day just turn around and say ah shit bye guys it's time for you to go it is too much too fast there has to be a graduated system of laws and changes that are implemented over periods of time yeah but the thing is both Democrats and Republicans, like when Trump and Frodo Sessions decided to do these zero po- t- tolerance policies before election results, and it didn't work, they could all get together today and fix this, but it doesn't benefit either side for the midterm election. Yeah. It, they lose an issue. That's yeah, our problem. I, I think To me, it's crazy that we haven't... I mean, I whether you grant amnesty to everyone who's been here or not, I, I think it's pretty much... And I don't think we should bipartisan. Yeah. If you're a if you're into the DACA program, you pretty much deserve amnesty, um, right? But you know, the guy who was 30 when he came here and he's been here 20 years, right. I don't know that that's an excuse no. for him to get amnesty just because you've been here a long time. But as a kid and you have no, you have no, it would it would just be so cruel to send someone back to a country that they haven't been to since they were a small child yeah. and they don't know anything other right. than the United States. Um, well. Go ahead, I'm sorry. But so I think that it's it's not I think I guess what bothers me is when conservatives say we're gonna shut down illegal immigration in the sense of we are going to stop the inflow of right. illegal immigrants, you know, by what not whatever means necessary, but we're gonna spend a substantial amount of money and resources to stop the inflow of immigrants uh, right. from foreign countries. If you don't support that or you're against that, to me, that's I don't, I don't know how you can defend that stance. Right. And and when the left goes, if you support stopping illegal immigration, you're a bigot. You're literally Hitler. Right, you're a right. Nazi. That's crazy to me because I'm like, how is that not the answer? How is that not a step right. in in the ultimate uh, goal? of fixing illegal immigration. Yeah, this is what I would, if, if I were president, and I will never be, but if I were, uh, I would present my, my thoughts to Congress, at least, and say, number one, with DACA, there needs to be an expedited path to citizenship. Sure, yeah. I'm, I, have, I don't even have a problem with saying with DACA, you know, Deferred Act for Childhood Arrivals, I have no problem even if somebody pushes back and says, well, that's too easy. Okay, well, we say you... Pay your next registration fee for DACA, which is about five hundred bucks for the first one. This stuff's expensive. Yeah, and I'll tell you more about that. But that you you can become a citizen within I don't know next year or two. Yeah. Just go through the process. Make sure you don't have any criminal record, whatever, because you were born you not born here, but you were brought here. You lived here. You, you know, most of them think they're Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have some kids coming here when they're infants. Yeah. So number one with DACA, that needs to just be an, uh, across the board a path to citizenship and amnesty. And there are some, very few, but some conservatives that disagree with that. The second thing I would say is for people who, who are seeking asylum, you know, if we can verify that, I'd say we need to create a cheaper and a less convoluted path to citizenship. 
I can't begin to tell you how confusing it is to yeah. go through this process. And, yeah. and my thing is, so the asylum argument is interesting to me because I, I'm not super educated on it, so I don't know exactly right. what the standard of right. seeking asylum, because, I mean, technically anyone could say, sure. you know, I live in Mexico, I want a better life in America. Right. Hey, I'm seeking asylum. Um it's mostly to do with people from Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, yeah, where sure. there's drug cartels, where there's, and even in some parts of Mexico, yeah. where you're, you know, you're under constant threat for whatever reason. But I mean, I think the asylum piece could be worked out. You can have some validating, you know, yeah. I guess my issue with that is like, you know, what is the what is the uh, responsibility of the United States to grant asylum to citizens right. of other countries? Just because the conditions in their country are bad, which is horrible, and it's terrible that they have to live through that, but that's just the reality. Some countries are ba- have bad conditions and have drug right. cartels and stuff. We can't take in every no. You know, we can't yeah, save the world. Honestly, if you yeah. look at the the numbers, um, you couldn't even make a drop in the bucket. No, you can't you, save the if world. If you took a a pile of right of toothpicks and they represented all the people living in bad conditions in the world, and you quintupled the amount of people we allowed to seek asylum in the United States, you'd get like one toothpick out of the pack. Right. It's a drop in the bucket. So that argument to me to say, well, these people aren't illegal immigrants. They're seeking asylum. Um, I don't know that holds. Right. Well, you can't, you can't, yeah. And you can't save the world. I think there are some specific cases are some specific cases, uh, where asylum is very clear, you know? And then the third one, I would say people who came here illegally, the third step would be if you just walked across the border illegally and you wanted a better life. I, I think we should, if, if we can bring them through the ports, process them the right way, you know, I mean, that, that would be the best option. But the ones who are here illegally, if they're not breaking the law, we need to at least offer some kind of pathway. It may be more difficult, more, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But most people don't realize that even illegal immigrants and our documented immigrants are working two and three jobs uh some of them are paying social security and taxes uh they'll never see that and the overwhelming majority of these people are, are just kind of i mean i know this because i i move around in this community now yeah uh and then i'd say the fourth group of people are people who come here and commit acts of crime that are felonies that are you know what we call harsh crimes i guess uh send their asses back yeah you know and then, but then begin to develop a policy and laws that deal with this on a graduated level uh, rather than just saying no tolerance. I, that is just, that boggles my mind yeah. that we just back in April said absolutely zero tolerance. And people are like, yeah, all right, woo, you know. And I'm thinking, you, you wouldn't apply that to just everyday life when you've allowed people to live a certain way and then you just slam them. It's, you know. Well, I think when you're talking zero tolerance for, if you're saying zero tolerance, tolerance for crossing the border, um, I think it is logical for conservatives to get excited about that because that's right. where we stand politically. We don't want people to cross the border illegally. So when you say, hey, this guy's trying to cross the border and we stop him from getting into the country, that's regarded generally as a good thing. And I think it should be, I don't, right. And but yeah, to, to talk to your other, obviously when you're talking about people who are already in the country and have been in the country for years, that's where you, you can't have this like 
iron fist policy. Right. We're kicking you all out. We don't care. You're all going straight back. That you can't do that because that's not. I mean, it's not humane, and it's and it's not gonna help anybody at the right. end of the day. And it's. I mean, it's the wrong thing to do. Um, and I, I don't. Have, I don't know that stopping people at the border. I don't have a problem with that. I, I, you know, you have to have laws. Yeah. Uh, and you have to enforce those laws at the border and elsewhere. Um, and so, our problem has been that for all of these years, we've when we catch people. We give them a court date, mm-hmm. and then we let them go, and that's been the assumption. Somebody said to me the other day, um, <clears throat> "Well, you know, we, you know, we should just, you know, the zero tolerance policy is good, and you know, these people are coming across our borders, and you know, these countries don't do anything about it: Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, uh, Mex- Mexico. All, you know, they they encourage this." And I stopped that person and I said, "Well, so have we." And I think the problem that we're having, the disconnect, is that, as a country, yeah. is we don't take responsibility. We're culpable. Because what we've done is we have incentivized yeah. by saying, hey, we're not going to stop you. Nothing bad's going to happen Nothing's going to happen. this border. Yeah. yeah. I have zero problems. I mean, you go try to bust into Russia and see what happens to you. <laughs> you know? But we or have, Mexico. And so we've... we've con- the other way. Right. And yeah. we've conditioned these countries to say, I'm not going to do anything. Hell, you can go over there for twenty years and live, have a family, and build a house, and yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it's. I guess where I differ is it, that's definitely unfortunate, and I truly feel for. If you take a family of four who is heading to America because they've heard, or they have family in America that are telling them, "Hey, man, if you just come across this right. border, they're going to give you a court date. You right. can just leave. You can. We've been right. here twenty years, and we've been fine." Right. Uh, I I definitely feel for them, and that's terrible, and it sucks that they. Right having received that information, acted on it, and tried to cross into the country, and then are met with, hey, that's not the way it works anymore. That right. sucks, but I think that at some point, it's kind of like you got to rip the Band-Aid off. You're either going to enforce the immigration laws or you're not. Yeah. And I, I don't – maybe we can you know dialogue and, and come to a different point no, of view, I, but, yeah. but I don't know how you can dial it back and go, well – we're going to kind of let you in and then right. one working towards one day having a stonewall policy. Right. I think it's either, you know, you stonewall or you don't stonewall. Yeah. And I think the correct answer is to stonewall, even though it's extremely unfortunate that these people are acting on what's basically now bad intel, telling them that they can come into the country right. freely. I mean, it all boils down to just a lack of action from Congress for yeah. this long period of time. Uh, and at the border, you know, you, you you have to enforce the law. Yeah. You're gonna figure out. You have to figure out a way to do that. And yes, you, you also have to figure out a way to do it. You know, humanely. You know, the thing that's gotten a lot of attention with the child separation from family issue. Um, that's not only unfortunate. It was resultant from it resulted from you know this the recent crackdown. Yeah. And that you know we just got to figure out ways not to treat people like animals. as yeah like yeah. animals. And and the thing is like you know Emma, the uh, the Emma Lazarus quote that's at the the foot of uh, Statue of Liberty says you know give me your tired your poor your hungry your your heavy late your uh, your your masses teeming from the shore or something like that I'm totally misquoting it but basically the, the huddle masses teeming uh, from the, and the refuse teeming from the shores I'll get it right in a minute yeah. I find it interesting that the one phrase in there says the refuse teeming for your from your shores. That, that word that we willingly, 
after the Statue of Liberty was actually put up yeah. years later, not many years, but years later, inscribed and put that there, the inscription at the bottom says, send us your trash. Now, I'm not calling people trash. Yeah. I'm not saying that people who come here are trash. I'm saying what we said at the the portal, the window of the, the United States, which is United, which is New York. I mean, that is kind of the, yeah. the image of Americana and coming to the country mm-hmm. is the Statue of Liberty. That's the icon sure. that you imagine. But you know who made that, right? The, it the was, French. It was them dirty French. No, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and That's what the rednecks said. That's exactly there. right. You've already covered that for them, so they don't have to say it. But uh, so we put that inscription on there, and that indicates a message. And I often say, you know, you can have laws, but your actions, and your words, and even your writing can say one thing, but our... We literally said to people, if you can get here, you know, we'll help you. And that's how we came, or yeah. not we, but people from force. So we need to do one of two things. We need to either roll in the welcome mat and change that inscription, or we need to change our laws. You, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah. our laws are well, not consistent I don't know, but with that welcome mat. I don't think the Statue of Liberty constitutes it the United States stance on immigration. I don't think it necessarily needs to. I'll say this. When when President Trump was campaigning, right, and he said, "This is what got me the most excited out of listening to his immigration policy." At one of his rallies, he said, "We're gonna build a wall." He did the whole classic yeah, yeah, build a wall, and then he said, "We're gonna put a big beautiful door on the wall, right, so the people that we want here uh, can get here." And so I think we're we're pushing really heavy on the building of the wall, right. but we're not highlighting the effort to build the big, beautiful door. Because we absolutely want and need a flow of immigrants. That's exactly, when you're talking about the American dream, that totally resonates because that is what America is built on. We absolutely have to have a flow of immigrants into the United States. However, we need to control that flow. We don't need to let the flow decide for itself. And sure. I think that that is the conservative viewpoint. At least I like to think so. Right. Um, and so, would you agree with that? I mean, is that I do, but we haven't. And here's the thing: while the Statue of Liberty does not constitute law, and what is described there is a Demi Lazarus poem yeah. or an excerpt from it, those don't constitute law. But what they do constitute is our attitude, our ideology toward it's yeah. it, it, our action, and the way we have behaved toward immigration. So what we've said is we don't enforce the law. We've not. And we've said, yeah, we're with what, yeah, come on. It's just the undisciplined approach to immigration. And then all of a sudden Trump comes in and says, we're going to build a big, beautiful wall and we're going to put a door in it. But then what he does is he slams that door shut and says zero tolerance. It's like giving people whiplash. And Congress is not acting on it still. It's yeah. it's just, it's the same thing. We well, just... I mean, the right has proposed bills that would include a pathway to citizenship for DACA and would attempt to fix the immigration red tape, I believe. more. I know for a fact that it introduced a, a pathway to citizenship for DACA and it included a provision for the wall. And both, I think there's two bills, one a little bit more hardline in terms of Right. conservative like it was more build the wall side and one of yeah. them was a little more build the wall put the door side in both of them were unanimously voted against by democrats right um and one of them was voted largely down by republicans as well it was the softer right one. um 
my fear is that I, I truly do believe that this administration wants to fix the problem in a way that makes sense. I think if you, the idea that the Trump administer, administration hates illegal Mexican or illegal immigrants, right. hates Mexicans and hates Honda and hates brown people, if you, right. and they're all bigots, is is pretty ridiculous. If you if you really look at it, I think they want to fix the problem. I think that the way they're going about it though doesn't look doesn't read well because they're not. They're pushing for the wall. There's a lot of talk of the wall. There's a lot of talk of zero tolerance policy and beefing up the border security. But there hasn't been much talk on our side of fixing the immigration process and providing DACA uh, yeah. program away. I, I don't. I won't give him as much credit as you will. Yeah. Um, but I don't think. I think when you you determine and you calculate and you plan over a period of about a year and people in your administration to include Stephen Miller and your cabinet and Jeff Sessions and you talk about uh, zero tolerance as a way of deterring and that you talk about separating families as a way of deterring immigration. I, I don't find that to be reflective of a kind-hearted approach. Yeah, now, that... I would agree that both Democrats and Republicans have just screwed around with it. They both put together bills that neither side, you know, it's just like, and then they play politics. Yeah. So I would say Democrats and Republicans both have just been playing politics with uh, immigrants for many, many years. And Republicans, I think, have been harsh and somewhat racist about it. Not all, but yeah. some. I think on the it's extreme. a tiny, tiny Democrat. And then liberals racist. on the other end have used immigrants as a pawn for voting, yeah. you know, because, you know, other Hispanics who vote, then of course you know are sensitive to immigration immigration issues, yeah. and and that bodes well for both their sides. Yeah. I think one of the things I have a problem with is when you see people in these places where I grew up uh, accosting people who are actually citizens, but they're Mexican or they're whatever, yeah. and using terms like rapist and I mean there's a woman that did that to the day. That's an isolated incident, yeah. and of course the media expounds on that, but it's the sentiment. That exists. We have a sentiment of animosity that exists. I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, you know? honestly, but I think, I mean, being 23 and seeing kind of my generation's take on it, uh, when you see a lady like that, as a normal person and as a conservative, right. I don't go, yeah, she's kind of got a point. Those guys are. Right. No, you go, that is a crazy woman who should probably like be locked in her home for the rest yeah. of her life and not allowed to integrate with the rest of society because you're crazy right. and you have toxic ideologies. The, the right doesn't embrace those ideas. And I don't think, you know, maybe 2% of, yeah. of people, maybe 5% of people in the country probably not even that I are actually truly racist and truly hate right. uh, people of color and, and yeah, want I, to see I agree with that, but it, you don't have to look at my Facebook page for very long to see that there are some weird sentiments well, out there. you are from the butthole of Alabama. Well, <laughs> but you, I mean, that's you just fun. watch my feed yeah. and it, those sentiments come out yeah. and they are harsh and I can name names I want, but uh, it's, it's amazing to me, but I think that's kind of a little bit of a difference in in our realities too. I don't have uh, a large number of old, you know, sixty plus uh, right. Alabamians 
on my social media newsfeed, I have a lot of 20 to 30 year old, maybe right. even 40 year old Texans. Uh, and I've rare, I don't think I've ever seen somebody that I personally know say, which I have seen some of the people on your Facebook, but I, I don't think I've ever right. seen anybody that I personally know, or even that I'm friends with on Facebook, say something racist or right. something like what that woman said. But in that same demographic you're talking about, it exists in some, it exists in a lot of states. Um, it's just, it depends on the demographic. Yeah. Uh, it exists on a lot of levels. We could go on forever, but just to kind of wrap up, because we've been here for a while. <laughs> um, the thing that I think I'd want to highlight real quick is that my frustration with a lot of this discussion, not yours and mine, but yeah. the nation's discussion, is that we just gloss over things that I grew up understanding were principled beliefs, for instance, treating people with kindness and with love. Now, yeah. you, you can't take that to the point of not enforcing law. I got it. But what I have seen it develop in the immigrant discussion, the immigration discussion, uh, the discussion with politics, with Democrats and Republicans and all that, has been this vitriol and this, this attitude of uh, hate that just seems to just flourish. Yeah. And we've become more polarized and, and isolated. At the end of the day, when it comes to immigration, you're dealing with a population of people that, for the most part, are painted, sometimes by conservatives, as yeah. bad people. But the reality is, they're people who are fearful. Absolutely. Yeah. They're people who are trying to provide for their families. They're trying to do everything they can to just make ends meet. Uh, some of them came here across the border illegally, absolutely. Uh, but a lot of them came here, like Sergio, without you know any say so. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, we have a broken immigration system, and we've talked about that a lot over the years. But the biggest problem is the broken uh, legislative system that we yeah. have, and the fact that. Congress does nothing except what moves their agenda forward yeah. and both on a personal level and on a national level. And that's why they could fix this today, but they're not going to until the midterm elections at least sure. and probably won't do anything then. And yeah. to me, that's sad. You know, I hope they do. Um, yeah. I think for me, the last thing I would say, uh, I think if you're sitting at home and you're and you're under the impression or you have the mentality that uh, illegal immigrants are less than human, or if you think of them as anything less than a human being who's trying to better their life, uh, you're absolutely wrong and you're stupid and and yeah. that's a terrible mindset to have and you should you know reflect on that and, and yeah. look at that. Uh, if you think that any by the same hand, though, if you think that any uh, move to enforce immigration policy or to not allow people to enter the country illegally uh, is Nazism or right. is evil or is, you know, bigotry, then I think you should really reflect and realize that you're you're wrong, too. And you're, you know, right. another form of stupid. Um, I'm glad that we have dialogues like this, because I think that when people, when you really break down uh, the two sides, most people are pretty, pretty close in the middle. Right. Most conservatives don't hate immigrants right. and don't want to see immigrants fail and don't want to see immigrants thrown in cages. Right. Uh, and I think that most Democrats don't think that we should open up our borders and have, right. you know, free flow of just right. whoever comes in. Uh, so, I just wish that 
people would have more conversations like this and come down, right. come into the middle and say, right. you know, we share a lot of the same views, even if, you know, there's some differences. Which, which proves that we have a broken representative republic because yeah. what happens is the majority of people, overwhelming majority, statistically proven, say they want to fix the system, say that they feel like DACA is, you know, okay and that they should have a path, the overwhelming majority. But what happens is the loud minority of the left and the right influence the emotion of the nation and influence the emotion of politicians greased by the vehicle of the media yeah. that capitalizes on that emotion. And the next thing you know, we're paralyzed and they have inability to pass laws yeah. that reflect the heart of what probably most people actually yeah. feel. Because, And it's no longer, let me... Let's let's approach this. Let's see what problems there are on the table, and let's solve the problems. It's not that. It's uh, this is a Republican agenda. This is a uh, Democratic right. agenda. We'll give you one if you give us one. Right. Right. So you'll never ever see a fix for DACA without funding for a wall, and you'll never see. Right. By the same token, you'll never see an increase in border security. Right. Without a path to citizenship for DACA. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's. That's yeah. sad to see because yeah. those are two issues that I think most Americans want, mm-hmm. uh, and they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be tied together. Yeah, well, that's that's the art of uh, the idiocy of our yeah. government is they tie things together to sink it. You know, yeah, which is, they want their agenda passed through. Well, anyway, thanks, Jimmy or James, for coming out. And, Santiago, uh, Santiago, by now. There I'm going go. back to Texas. So that's, that's right. You leave next week, Friday. Friday. Oh, this Friday? Next Friday. Oh, next Friday. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the 6th. Going right. back to the homeland. So right. I'll get to, I can go down to the border and see some stuff. There you go. I'll report back. Yeah, please do. You can be our, <laughs> you can be our uh, what do you call it, field reporter? Field or, reporter, or, yeah. I got it. I'm there all over go. it. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yep, thanks, James. Appreciate Good it. Good deal. Hey, thanks for listening today to James Haynes and Sergio and I as we discussed Sergio's adventures and the process of detention and potential deportation which is now over and we have him back here but thanks for for being here to listen and please share this uh it really helps us as you as we try to get the word out about this and of course we started during uh, the time that sergio was in detention an operation called hashtag operation save sergio and we continue to reach out to people as they reach out to us and of course we're finding folks all over who have similar circumstances and we do the best we can to advise them and help them. Uh, if you would like to give uh, to support that, uh, please go to www.goallgbtq.org. Goal Inc. is an organization I started uh, about a year and a half ago to help provide a safe out and passage for the LGBTQ community and other oppressed or discriminated groups. And so, of course, this falls under that. And we have a page there that talks about uh, briefly about Operation Save Sergio and a donate button on the page there as well. So please, if, if you want to give to that effort or to our efforts as we reach out to the LGBTQ community, also, you can give in the same place. Just designate how you uh, would like to do that. So anyway, thanks again. Uh, you can listen to us. We try to put one out pretty regularly. Uh, last few weeks has been difficult just because of the circumstances with dealing with ice and and all that, but we should be back up on the horse and riding strong. So thank you so much.